Greetings, I'm David Garig. Welcome to the Asana Kitchen podcast. So the subject today is the, this idea of you're doing two kinds of yoga when you do a Ashtanga. One is Hatha yoga, the physical yoga, and the other is Raja yoga. And so the main text that we use, a sacred text, is called the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Its very first line that opens the book is, it tells you that you're to use Hatha Yoga as a staircase to climb to the high-pinnacled Raja Yoga. And, um, and then it says that the book exists, this Hatha Yoga Pradipika exists because it's difficult to know what Raja Yoga is. And, th and that is why you do Hatha Yoga. So we're doing, we're getting on our mat six days a week, going through the asanas uh, in the sequence and working with the breathing and the bandhas and all these Hatha Yoga techniques in order to climb up to a, this, uh, whatever this Raja Yoga is. And so we're just gonna, I'm gonna explore that with you today in this podcast. And for starters, Raja, it means royal. And um, the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, it also gives you, um, it's much later in the book, but it gives you a whole list of synonyms for Raja Yoga. And, and when it does that, it kind of shows you that uh, there's many names for one thing. One of the names on the list is Samadhi, the eighth limb. And so that immediately brings us into familiar territory because Samadhi, it just means absorption. Absorption, in, just in the dictionary sense, means um, absorbent, like soaking in. It means to be captivated by, um, fascinated with, enraptured, um, very engaged by something. So it's a very uh, deep state of concentration. And when it becomes samadhi, the actual goal of yoga, the eighth limb, it becomes absorption of this very high level. And it's one where I, I say that you actually, it's such a level of um, engagement with, within yourself, with whatever you're doing, that you have to give yourself permission to do it. Because, because you exclude the outer world so intently. Or that you become so invested and curious about and engaged with what is happening inside of you that the, the, the outer world ceases to matter. And to a degree that people can actually like think that you're odd or think you're, you're very selfish or self-absorbed, as it were. And what I'm telling you is that this is a very positive thing, a necessary thing, and that we're actually calling it Raja Yoga and we're calling it that all the techniques that you do in your practice are meant to lead you to this place of absorption. And it's also a, it's the, the level of absorption is another synonym is Nirodaha. So that the, like the Yoga Sutra says, Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodaha. So, you, so that there's an absorption, a stilling of the mind, a state of consciousness where all movement, all activity ceases. And I'm giving you this uh, definition of Raja Yoga, which is what it's to learn to value whatever you discover when you become absorbed. Okay, to, to that degree, to where, where all the, your, your body movements have stopped, your breathing is regular, your mind is cleared, 
And so when you come into that state, in yoga, we, then there's something happens. So that you, it said that you abide in your essence as seer to the world. And so that it's kind of like a, a visionary you become. And, or it's also known as dharma, so that you have a kind of sacred duty, a sacred seeing to do as your destiny in this life. And so when you come into this state of stillness, then that your identity as seer and what that experience is for you becomes apparent. And that is Raja Yoga. And so it's, and you can see why the Hatha Yoga Pradipika then starts off by telling you that you're using these very physical techniques to climb up to that high pinnacled um, kind of very uh, abstract um, intellectual or it's like a, it exists in, uh, in a conception, this idea of self as seer. So what differentiates Hatha Yoga from Raja Yoga is that Raja Yoga, it's, um, I'm saying that it's, it's words, it's images, it's mapping or schemata. So it, it's thought construct, thought construct that, that leads the yogi, leads you from suffering and bondage, being kind of attached to the material world and not ignorant of the spiritual dimension of you, it leads you from that state to this freedom or to this uh, isolation where you understand your nature as seer. To go from this state of suffering to the state of knowledge, you gain siddhi, which is power. So you are empowered by asanas and learning to control your breath and focus your mind. So these are the, the Hatha Yoga techniques are, they give you siddhis or power to kind of reach up to this conception of your life, the vision of, you know, the kind of sacred vision of your life. And, and so the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, it says that um, engaging in practice um, by putting faith in his words, one gets siddhis and also evades death, okay? And so, and this putting faith in your words, this is, the faith that you're putting is in this schemata or this mapping of Raja Yoga, that is kind of the highest conception of why you're here. And when you do that through practice, you, you are empowered and you even evade death. Okay, so that, that's kind of all the preliminary that I have and, and now I want to take you through how does this actually, like when you're on your mat, how does this idea of, of Raja Yoga, how does it translate into you practicing? It, because since it's so conceptual in a sense and abstract um, and other than the physical doing that of using your hands and feet and senses and engaging in asanas and breathings and stuff. So, but, so it's, it, it's a layering process. So it takes a lot of different steps to get to where that Raja Yoga, the, the kind of seed that you're climbing up to, can really infiltrate your practice. 
And I'm going to use the concept of purification to, um, to step you through the layers. Okay, so the first layer is that, so Hatha Yoga, it's a, has a, a very physical material basis. And in terms of purification, it's very practical. And the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, it makes, throughout the text, it's constantly making references to um, doing the practice to avoid diseases, to um, stave off premature aging, old age, and it even makes like analogies to evading death. And so part of evading death is staying youthful and strong and fit and healthy through um, Hatha Yoga. And it's almost like it's dangling these carrots in front of you. It tells you your skin shines and your eyes become radiant. And it's associating purification in these terms, like a physical purification. And it refers to um, your digestion and your organs, all these being um, getting healthy and functioning better through doing the asanas and, and things. And as part of the physical cleansing is the, the, the Hatha Yoga Pradipika makes many references to diet. And especially um, it, it, it's encouraging you to have this middle road in terms of food quantity. So it's saying that you, the eating sparingly, constantly reminding you that you have to keep part of your stomach empty and that that as part of the purification uh, physical purification of yoga. And it also says that overeating destroys um, yoga, okay? And it, it destroys your ability to practice the techniques and to purify. But it also says that in places that actually not eating enough, like it encourages you, it says that certain techniques increase your appetite. So it's not that you're fasting or starving yourself, there's a middle road, but but being a physical being, the Hatha Yoga is immediately also concerned with diet. And so it's a very um, physical basis for purification. That's all. It just gives you a strong, healthy body. It um, prevents disease and promotes longevity. Okay, then there's a whole other type of purification that's um, laced throughout the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Now I'm calling it energetic purification. And, and so this is where the, it, it talks in the language of um, prana. That, and pranayama is the fourth limb. And it, it's usually associated with breath control. It includes breath control, but it's more about freeing prana or seeing the body in energetic terms. And so you're, the body is, has a system of nadis or channels that are like blood vessels or nerve channels, only they're energy channels. And you're, the main one is called shashumna or most glorious. And you're trying to awaken energy from the base of that and cause it to go up that middle channel and flow up. And you're, so your whole thinking about Purifying is in energetic terms. Part of that energetic language is the breathing. So it's in two energetic patterns. And one is an expansion force with the inhalation. The other is the contractile force with the exhalation. And then you have bandhas at the ends of the axis, which you use to redirect the energy. And 
So you're, you've got all this playing with energy as a means of purification. Okay, and so the nadis can be choked or clogged or the energy dormant or, and, and so that by practice, you are kind of summoning energy from the base. You're awakening this dormant energy. You're finding stagnant areas of the body and causing energy to flow. And that is, it's all a purifying process. So, and the energy is, it has qualities like we imagine with energy, like light or a, a kind of a fiery quality that's flowing through the channels, but it's also associated with awareness, that prana could be simply said to be internal awareness. And so that by causing energy to flow through the nadis and, and centralizing it in the, in the middle channel and using bandhas to lock in the energy from below and above, we're talking about um, purifying the mind. So that the mind that's distracted, corrupted into sense gratification and attachment to desires and egoism and fearing and worry, and all these are kind of um, toxifying states that um, are what clogging of the nadis or an unfree flow, a bound up nadis is referring to. Okay, and so purifying, so purifying nadis and causing energy or prana to flow through the body is also um, kind of a, a psychic clearing as well. So far we have these two levels of purification and notice how very different they are. Okay, one is about, right, about having healthy muscles and bones and organs and, right, very functioning, well-functioning body. And then here we've got this whole energetic schemata of, and centralizing prana in the, in the middle nadi and containing life force and freeing life force and directing life force. Okay, so the next level of purification is um, it, it, the prana, and it leads right to it because I've said that prana is also awareness, but the next level is kind of a more pure intellectual or psychic level of purification. And so in that, um, we think of the mind as um, having three parts. So there's buddhi, which is the meaning awakened or the higher intellect, the wisdom sense, the creative part of the mind. And, um, and also the, the one that's the closest to the seer, that's um, in the background, and the one that's the most able to reflect that seer back upon itself when it becomes purified. So, um, and then comes the ahamkara, the eye maker part of the mind. And that's this healthy sense that if you look at the word ego in the dictionary, it, it means um, self-respect, self-esteem, um, self-confidence. And so it's a very important quality that this, uh, this eye-making part of the mind, and then, but then it's also a klesha, the same um, ahamkara, when it becomes corrupted into conceitedness or lack of self-esteem and compensating for not having self-confidence. Okay, and so you've got, and, and that part of purification of the mind is to work to 
kind of overcome uh, corrupted forces of ego and gain a healthy sense of um, I making. Okay, and then you have the, the kind of lower mind, it's called manas, and it's more of the um, very important part of the mind that takes in information from the senses, it's responsible for memory, so it kind of fills in the, the perceptual basis for us to operate in the world. And so then there's a whole idea that even the idea of chitta vritti nirodaha, okay, so the, that's saying that the mind is without activity is in a state of yoga and or is purified and so an impure mind is one where the corrupted forces called kleshas um, are aroused stirred up in the mind and those forces are um, like attachment to pleasure and hatred of displeasure and egoism like i just mentioned in an unhealthy sense and um, fearing or clinging to life. These states of mind, when you are in an afflicted state of mind with kleshas aroused, are impure. They're toxic and they're um, kind of karma accumulating. Meaning that when you, when you respond to the world based on aroused kleshas, when you're fearing, attached, etc., then you, the, your actions are unskillful and they lead to they make messes that require further action to make up for or to correct. Okay, and so, and then the opposite though is when you kind of disengage from those forces that are driving through you that would bring attachment or fear or unhealthy egoism, then you are purifying your, and you're creating skill in action when you respond to a situation and therefore it's karma dissolving, right? So that your action doesn't lead to a further action, kind of resolves. And in that sense, it's, it's um, purifying. And this idea of buddhi, of the highest part of the mind, it's, it's thought of as a mirror. It's the understanding part of you, like the part that, that's, that knows or that is kind of creatively perceptive engaged in the present moment and really in tune and just simply understanding. And so the lack of understanding is associated with an, a mirror that's dirty so that it can't reflect anything, right? And, and so then, but when you get control of your mind, when you're able to settle the mind and not be drifted off, pulled off into afflictions, then that's like a mirror that's polished and reflective. And then that's when self can actually look upon the material, the seeable material in the form of buddhi, this part of your mind that's clear, and actually see itself back because that mirror is clear. And you can see how that, this whole idea of mind purifying is much more abstract than purifying your liver by breathing and going upside down and doing things, very physical um, type of purification. And, and yet that, that whole idea of purification um, th that starts with the physical and steps through the energetic, working with nadis and such, and then coming, it, that you kind of prepare for each more subtle stage. And you start to have this sense of layering 
when you're practicing of what actually does it mean to purify. And then the final layer of it is that, so there's this idea that, um, that the seer and the seeable, that ignorance and kind of impurity come from what's called San Yoga, where those are mixed up. So it, the person, we can't tell the difference between what actually is the spiritual aspect, the sacred seeing aspect that's separate from all material, and the material aspect, which is made up of my, my, my ego and my understanding. And so those get mixed up, can't tell the difference. In reality, that those are separate. And, that, and when, when you understand they're separate, you understand that this seer part is it's known as pure seeing and, or pure consciousness. It's unmixed or it's uninvolved in any of the activity of the material world, which is cyclical and constantly revolving through conception, birth, living, dying, conception, birth, living, dying in a cycle of action called karma, right? But this self that you are and that you're trying to work to understand as your intrinsic essence is pure, never mixed up in the, what's happening in the material. Okay, and so that, and when you understand that, it ends the San Yoga. Okay, and that's kind of the ultimate purity. And also, the, when you understand your essence as seer, it's another way of saying, too, that you're fully in touch with your destiny. So that the sacred work that you were born to do, the sacred seeing that you were born to, to experience in this world is fulfilled. When your actions, your behaviors, your uh, values line up with that destiny, with that sacred seeing, then that's kind of the ultimate purification. Whereas when your behaviors are somehow taking you away from your sacred duty and from knowing your intrinsic essence as seer, then that's toxic. That's where you're creating sickness and disease and unwellness in some capacity. It's, um, it's also, it's important to notice or it's uh, kind of beneficial to notice the, that each of those layers that uh, the Ashtanga yoga practice that you do, that, that six days a week, following sequences, working with the vinyasa, the crouch and spring, and really transitioning dynamically between asanas and keeping a flow, with and a breathing and movement system. So all of those things are, they're designed to help you get those, get at those layers, right? And, and so, and you can really take advantage of the system to, to understand the different layers. Okay, and so, so there you have it. You've got from, right, from the most basic, just, promoting digestion and right and opening up your breathing and getting healthy tissues through doing postures all the way to knowing yourself as a spiritual a sacred seer to the whole world and you can have all of those layers kind of percolating in your within you as you go through your practice and as a way of deepening and enriching and extracting more out of your practice, right? If you're just limited to the physical purification, just 
getting on and sweating and kind of moving toxins out. Well, that's fine. That's a good thing. But think of the dimensions that we've just gone through and what you stand to gain by uh, kind of developing the different layers of purification. Thank you for joining me for this uh, installment of the Asana Kitchen podcast. Uh, I'd like to point out to you, I teach um, yoga in India, in the, um, southern India, the state of Kerala, village of Kovalam on the sea. This year I'm doing it for seven weeks from January 13th to March 1st. Um, you can come to part or all. I would love to work with you and we do uh, Mysore style classes. So you, you get a lot of input into your personal practice. We also supplement with um, pranayama sessions, yoga sutras, talks, and um, it's an amazing immersion into Hatha and Raja yoga. Uh, 